Welcome, Iowa innovators, educators, entrepreneurs, ecosystem builders, and anyone interested in finding fresh ways of doing the work they do right here in Iowa. NubaCo is excited to bring you the Iowa Innovation Podcast, where we talk to leaders in innovation, education, and entrepreneurship. I'm Dr. Jennifer Murphy. And I'm not a Dr. Rob Merritt. <laughs> Today, we are talking with Mo Collins. Good now, luck with this introduction because Mo has done a lot. <laughs> she has. And uh, to be very honest with you, I am a huge fangirl of Mo. Like, I hear Mo Collins' name and I'm like, oh my God, it's Mo. She's going to be here. I hear that. I'm a new fan of Mo. I, I haven't really, uh, I, I've become a huge fan of Mo. This is like amazing, some of the stuff she's done. So, Mo currently is a nationally recognized speaker. She's a facilitator. She does quite a bit of writing and advocating out in the entrepreneurial space. Um, you can learn more about Mo if you just simply go to MoCollins.com, and that link will be in the show notes. So, go ahead and take a look at that. But from there, you can find some of her writing. You can connect with her on social media and drop her a note at any time. And she is right here in the studio with us. So, hey, with that, let's innovate, Iowa. This show is sponsored by Nymaster Good, Iowa's largest law firm with offices in Des Moines, Cedar Rapids, and Ames. Nymaster's cutting-edge, positive legal approach has helped businesses of all sizes succeed for more than a century. That's 100 years for those of you that aren't familiar with that term. And the fact is that they work with businesses of all sizes means we were talking earlier today about rural startups and, uh, and student startups, people who have a really, really, really small business and they don't have a lot of money to spend on legal representation. But at the same time, you're obviously, as a new business owner, going to have questions and you're going to want to make sure that you're doing everything correctly. And that's where Nye Master Good can help you out, no matter what subject you're wondering about. There's a really, really wide range of areas they can help you in. Another big number for you. They've got 70 practice areas. Nye Master has attorneys with expertise in all areas of the law. Some of those things include corporate structure, capital raising, intellectual property protection, tax planning, employee benefits, labor and employment law, government relations, and litigation, which are all areas that as an entrepreneur, you may need a little support with. Or for that matter, if you're starting ZippyTheWonderSlug.com and you just want to make sure that nobody else owns Zippy the Wonder Slug, Nye Master Good can make sure that the path is clear. All right, and we are now Googling Zippy the Wonder Slug to see if we can acquire that domain. Some of the areas that they can help with that really I thought about today was really this area of IP. You know, many of Iowa's and the nation's most innovative companies work with Nymaster intellectual property attorneys to secure and enforce their intellectual property rights in the United States and around the world. That can be really important when you have a great idea and you want to make sure it stays yours. So if you want to learn more, just visit www.nymaster.com. That's N-Y-E master.com to learn what Nine Master Good can do for you. Hey, Mo, welcome. Thank you. I am so excited to talk to you today. We have been chatting quite a bit about your background um, with, with helping women and, and entrepreneurs. And in fact, one of the things that I wanted to ask you about right away is that uh, you, you've spent, uh, you spent decades with the University of Northern Iowa and I was, as I was looking at some of the things you've done, I saw that you were tapped to serve as UNI's inaugural technology transfer director. And I was like, 
I would love to know what that means. Uh, what, what exactly did that job involve? Oh, such a good question. So um, technology transfer and commercialization is all about finding really innovative pieces of intellectual property innovation that occur on campuses and then figuring out a way to move those innovations into the marketplace. And it's a different from regular ecosystem building because these are typically very complex, um, patented, protected types of innovation. And it takes a lot of people and a lot of talent to figure out a market space to put them in mm -hmm. and then to move um, a new business or an expansion of an existing business um, through that process. And so tech transfer is all about finding those faculty members or those students that are doing really interesting, innovative things and then helping them um, start a business mm -hmm. or uh, secure a license for whatever that innovation is to start a company. And it's it's really, really exciting. Well, and I imagine that's huge at that point, you know, students who still haven't even gotten out into the world to even get a taste of the professional world yet, and you're already helping them to know how to put their ideas into practical use. So I didn't have the good fortune. We have a, a student business incubator at UNI that um, was run by others. My job was to wander the halls and find faculty members holed up in their labs or at their in their offices that were doing really innovative things and then coerce them, push them, do whatever I needed to do to um, have them allow us together move that innovation into the marketplace. So let me, can I give you an example? Oh, please do. Okay. No, so, how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> so when, when I was tapped to do this job, I was very nervous because um, we had never had a tech transfer director before. And um, there wasn't a lot of expectation. My, my department head, Randy Pilkington, would say, well, they don't really think we're going to do much. So we thought the pressure's off, Mo. Just go yeah. out into the campus community and try to find who's doing what interesting um, stuff. And um, let's see if we can bring them into the light. And keep in mind that universities across the country receive Bill, billions, literally billions of dollars every year in federal funding yeah. to do this research. Yeah. And so the return on that investment is some kind of, um, maybe like a Honeycrisp apple was mm -hmm. the result of that kind of technology transfer. So I went yeah. around campus um, and I met up with faculty members and we found some really interesting people doing really interesting things. There was a, a young man there who um, was a professor who had figured out at the time, now I'm old, so you know this was a while ago, <laughs> but he had figured out how to um, detect anthrax in a throwable robot that you could throw it in a window if you were looking for anthrax in a building, and it would detect it within 150 seconds. Now, at the time, the latest technology took eight hours to yeah. detect anthrax. Yeah. So this was mm. a big thing, right? Yeah. And this was this, this one professor who was a, 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 was he a chemist? I'm not sure what he was, um, but one professor who was doing this work in this teeny tiny comprehensive university in the middle of the Midwest. Yeah. And these are life-changing types of discoveries, and that's what really typifies tech transfer. Wow. I, I just realized that you're talking about anthrax, the, uh, the, the terrible thing that can kill you, yeah. and, and not anthrax the band. Because I was like, if I was trying to detect anthrax, I would just plug some headphones in. Like, I could, I could find anthrax from 150 All feet right. away. You're just like, whoa, yeah, rock right. um, yeah. yeah. Well, and as someone who was in the military when anthrax was a very real trait, and we were dealing with those kinds of tests all the time mm -hmm. and having to take all the medications and all the things, like that 
like that's huge. I mean, that would have saved so much time, so much effort, so much efficiency mm -hmm. operationally oh, yeah. in the military. I, I don't know what other applications they had for it, but I'm just my, not, not to my mention. I remember uh, the post office for a while. There oh, yeah. was like right after 9/11. There was all yeah. that anthrax oh, scare, yeah. and they were yeah. they were always worried that anthrax was being mailed yeah. out. So they were trying to figure out how to detect it in packages. And yeah, this would have been hugely helpful at that time as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't tuned into any of that because right after 9/11, I deployed. I was like, I have no idea what's going on in the United oh, States. Wow. Oh wow. Oh gosh. <laughs> but no, I that that is I, that's fascinating to me. So yeah, it was terrific. It was yeah. terrific. It was a whole different aspect of entrepreneurship. Yeah, because most of the time when these innovations come out of the lab, um, and, and most every university, by the way, in the country has a very extensive technology transfer office, yeah. and they'll have a dozen people that are licensing managers. All they do yeah. is call enterprise level companies to say, do you want to license this innovation yeah. in return for royalties, et cetera? Yeah. Um, and you know, my goal was start businesses, start businesses, let's get teams together and yeah. let's build businesses in our incubator that will give that economic development opportunity to our community and yeah. help build a whole bunch of really innovative, cool people doing things in new economy industries. You so know, I kind of flew in the face of what yeah. was normal. but Well, and it's, it's interesting to me, um, one of our coworkers made this comment the other day and it really resonated. So many innovators don't recognize that they're being innovative. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, they're just, they're just doing their thing, right? Mm -hmm. They're like, well, of course I'm inventing a little ball that you can throw through a window that could detect anthrax. That's my job. <laughs> That's not, I'm just doing work, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, having someone who, like yourself, who's who is not shy, <laughs> is willing to bust into the room True and that. say, hey, what you're doing is awesome and help them see the awesomeness in it and the utility and the application and then take that from concept or prototype to something that's truly viable and helpful is huge. You know how um, you identify certain people that go into certain industries by their personality? Like you can always tell a chamber of commerce director or a county sheriff. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Are you with me? Yeah. I okay. worked for a chamber of commerce. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know what I'm yeah. saying. Okay. So so in academia, yeah. professors have a certain typology too. Oh, yeah. And it's public good. Yes. It's public good. It's education. Yeah. It's yeah. students. Yeah. So when you come into the room and you say, look, you could make a lot of money doing this, yeah. they roll their eyes. Yeah. Or yeah. they just look at you like you're, you know, yeah. you're that person, you're yeah. that greedy capitalist. Get out yeah. of my office. So it was a challenge at first. Absolutely. And it was one of the barriers that we had to overcome. Yeah. in helping kind of build out some of these new companies. That's so true. And I mean, do you find, because um, you, I mean, again, you've worked in a few different places <laughs> for a your few, career. A few. When you contrast that experience, because I mean, one of my personas is academia as well. And I, that resonated with me. Nobody's explained that to me that way, but that makes sense. Because when I'm in that mindset, I'm just like, no, I'm here to give to my students. Yeah. I'm here to build knowledge. Yeah. I'm here to contribute to the intellectual community how do you reconcile that between like that community a business incubator on campus a you know grant finding function to fund further research and then the rest of the entrepreneurial ecosystem like how do we as an ecosystem make all those people work? Which seems like such a simple question, but is also so complex. It's really complex, and yeah. it's a it's an excellent question, and yeah. I'm not going to answer it very well. No. Um, just just so you know, you know, <laughs> the beauty of ecosystem building is that people come in from everywhere. Yeah. 
yeah. with different <clears throat> intentions, with different passions, with different expertise, and they define success really differently. And if you go back like to when I first started in this space, I'm one of the people that was kind of involved way back when we were trying to figure out what does entrepreneurship really look like and right. are we going to pay attention to it in economic yeah. development? And, and now we realize that people, all of them contribute, yeah. all of them, from the tiniest of microenterprises who are really interested in passion and not interested in normal profits, yeah. to our lifestyle companies, to our startup scale-ups who are just excited about doing the process yeah. and exiting and then doing it again, to yeah. venture companies, which yeah. are the result of tech transfer. They all have different motivations, and all of them are critical mm -hmm. to creating an ecosystem mm -hmm. where we have the full potential for vibrancy, the mm -hmm. full potential for diversity, the full potential for a really healthy ecosystem, community, economy, mm -hmm. all of it combined. Yeah. You so. know, along those lines, um, you, you know, innovation coming from everywhere, innovation, you know, and a, and a vibrant community. Um, you know, at Nubico, we're doing a lot with rural uh, innovation, with yeah. trying to encourage uh, supporting ideas and, and innovation uh, that's coming from communities that aren't necessarily like big cities, like big development areas. And I know that you've done work in that area as well. And I'm just, I'm curious from your perspective, can you talk a little bit about both what you've done in that area and, mm -hmm. and how we can give more support to rural entrepreneurship? Absolutely. So I have the good fortune to be a part of a consultancy now for about mm -hmm. a decade that um, delivers capacity building research surveys, uh, studies to both urban and rural communities. And one of the first things I learned when I started in this space was that they're very different that in urban communities, we have so many more assets. We have greater population, we have more talent, we have more innovation, we have anonymity, mm -hmm. we have all kinds of things that are really important to entrepreneurship and allow us to kind of leapfrog our way for many, many people into entrepreneurship. In rural communities, um, all of those things are at least scarce. Mm -hmm. if not in some cases missing. Yeah. Um, and the smaller the community, the fewer the resources. Mm -hmm. And so we know, after a lot of work in this space, that it doesn't mean we can't have entrepreneurship. And in fact, I believe that the key, most fundamental and profound economic development strategy going forward for rural communities is entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. Business recruitment doesn't work. Business retention is great, but we need to grow our local economies. And we're positioned in rural communities in ways that I think allow for that to happen um, in a big way, in part because entrepreneurship frees us from so many of the constraints of the last mm -hmm. the last century. We don't have to work nine to five. We don't have to work at a desk. Mm -hmm. We can engage in business by because of purpose. We can do social entrepreneurship as well as small business and startup scale up. So in rural communities, if we can attract those people, yeah. we can actually increase our population because of things like placemaking. Mm -hmm. If we have hiking trails, if we have fishing, if we have big outdoors, um, those mm -hmm. things are incredibly attractive to this whole next generation of entrepreneurs. So there's some assets and there's some drawbacks to rural. And I think there's a really nice recipe that's coming together across the country in different communities around how to support that and to build out economies that look nothing like, nothing like they did 20 years ago. And that's exciting so to me. Are you, are, are you speaking to the heresy of non-tech entrepreneurship? <laughs> What? Do you want to go there? How <laughs> I, I'm dare just, you? I, I know, and, and I hesitated to even speak the words because I know that my job is now in, at risk. But, <laughs> the, but as someone, like, I, so, I mean, I've been an entrepreneur for over a decade, and my business is not in tech. 
And, yeah. you know, I, I, I work as a service provider for people and a consultant and a teacher, and that's what I do. Those are my skills. And it's, you know, and it's always interesting to me because when you share that with people, it's, you know, and I mean, I'm just going to speak frankly. It's like, that's a nice business. And for those of you that can't see me, I'm doing the air pat on the head. Um, and it's, you know, and, and it's almost like there's, I don't want to say there's a lack of legitimacy because that's not entirely true either, but it's certainly not treated as sexy and as viable and as a growth space the same way that if I came and I was like, hey, I've got this tech idea that's going to like change people's mental health states. You know, now everybody's eyes are open and they're listening. And it, it is just a, it's, it is such a polarizing conversation at times and politically hot potato but I did just bring it up. You so. did. I'm proud of you. I am really proud of you. So as you know, um, and maybe your listeners don't, I am. Um, I don't exactly adhere to a party line. Right. And I train for the international. Which is why I'm a Mo Collins fan girl. Oh, just had gosh. to get that in there. Oh, All my right. gosh. Oh, my gosh. Sorry. So I, I train for the International Economic <laughs> Development Council. I train right. for EDIA. I train for large, multifaceted chambers of commerce and universities. And when I first started these kinds of conversations in the classroom, people would get up and walk out. Yeah. And I thought it was funny. Of course, I was always surprised when they asked me back. But, but the truth of the matter is that the ecosystem is built and made up of entrepreneurs from throughout the stack. Mm -hmm. And all of them contribute to yeah. our quality of life. They contribute to our economy. Maybe not in the ways that gives us, you know, the front page headlines. Mm -hmm. um, and for economic developers who have been in this space for 30 or 40 years, it's heresy. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. just, you know, entrepreneurship, yeah, that it is the pat on the head thing. It's the mm -hmm. third leg in the economic development stool and it's yeah. always been short. Yeah. But what's happening now is the entire economy has shifted. It mm -hmm. started with the internet, you know, when yeah. Al Gore created the internet. Do you remember that? Yeah, remember that? yeah. Way God. back when. What know? a hero. Yeah, whatever. So, <laughs> <laughs> but when, when the internet changed how we did business and it moved us out of manufacturing, it also took everything that those people in those spaces, our community leaders, our economic development leaders, everything that they had been taught and they had learned and they had cut their teeth on and it built reputations on the whole recruitment, back door, mm -hmm. you know, back room, negotiation to bring in companies. All of that went away. Mm -hmm. All of it went away. And so yeah. we have this unlearning process. Yeah. And that unlearning process has taken us 20 years yeah. to bring to the table. It's You're able to say this today. Yeah. You probably couldn't mm -hmm. have said it 20 years ago oh, no. without uh, people really yeah. giving you bad feedback. I'll yeah. look on your thing when you're done to see yeah. if people give you bad feedback. <laughs> but do you agree? Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, so what I think is um, we have still have a long way to go. Mm -hmm. I think that we still treat microenterprises like they're second-class citizens. Mm -hmm. I think we treat women entrepreneurs mm -hmm. like they aren't really party and at the table. Yeah. We treat small business owners as, and, and the term lifestyle was yeah. not created yeah. in this space as a, as a positive term. Yeah. It was created as, oh, their lifestyle. Yeah. They're, not, they're not as good as mm -hmm. the startup scale-ups. Yeah. Um, and I, I am of the opinion startup scale-ups are great. They yeah. are the job creators. They mm -hmm. are the, you know, under five-year-old companies that Kaufman holds up yeah. as those that are creating the first forward movement into a new economy, but they wouldn't get where they are yeah. if it were not for the support of the micro-enterprises who create place, yeah. of the small business owners who give them the needed goods and services at a fair price that allow them to do their work. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, yeah, I'm... 
And that's, yeah, I mean, that showed up. So um, because I got my doctorate just less, just over a year ago, I have to bring it up. But the, it's just, it's like a thing. You, you have know? a I mean, doctorate? Yeah. You never talk about I that. I know, never. But but it was, it, but everything that Mo just expressed were things that came up in the research with the women entrepreneurs oh, that gosh. I interviewed. And I didn't go out and pick eight of my closest friends to talk to that I knew would tell me what I wanted to hear. I didn't know any of these women prior to interviewing them. They were completely referred to me by people within the ecosystem that were like, you should talk to this person. And I had food producers. I had service providers. I had um, people who were building furniture and, and home decor. And they were like all and their stories all came to this place of, you know, within the ecosystem, I didn't know where to go. When I looked around, there wasn't a place for my business. And that it, it and quite frankly, it it confirmed some things I had felt when I was just starting out. And so now I feel like I'm on this mission to get those entrepreneurs connected <laughs> with the rest of the ecosystem because there is value for us in the ecosystem. Can we talk about women for a minute? Yeah. Yeah. Is that, yeah. Is that yeah. okay? Please. Can we talk about yes. women? So <clears throat> I've always had, um, yeah. I've always done a lot of research and built out programs while at UNI that yeah. were favorable more so probably to women than, than others. Yeah. But the pandemic and yeah. the last two years have had, you know, a smothering impact on mm -hmm. all business. But for women in particular, it's been really horrible. We lost three million women in the workforce. Yeah. Two million of them have come back. Yeah. There's another million women out there that have not come back. And many of them are saying, um, recent study I just read, many of them are saying they're not coming back. Right. And part of it is the inflexibility of our workplaces. Part yeah. of it is a lack of quality, affordable childcare. Mm -hmm. Part of it is women are done. We're just done <clears throat> with not being able to succeed, with hitting the glass ceiling over and yeah. over. And I, I have always been of the of the opinion. You and I talked about yeah, this last yeah, summer. Yeah. I've always been of the opinion that um, entrepreneurship is our ticket. Yeah. It's our ticket to economic equality. Yeah. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I mean, that's one of the things that I've always thought was really cool about you, Mo, is that you have this... You have this attitude of if there is a problem that you see opportunities and you see ways to ways to work with it as opposed to I, I have not made any secret of my references to the pandemic and post pandemic as a dumpster fire. Uh, you know, I complain <laughs> about it. I even wrote a song about it. I wrote a song about it. Can you sing it? I want to hear it. Uh, hear it. Oh, it's, it's uh, Billy Joel would be angry if I sang I, it. I will oh. send you the link. Please. But, there's uh, two parts. <laughs> there, no, two there's, parts. There's three now. Oh, there's, there's oh, that's three. right. There's three parts. Um, I'll send them to you. Yeah, no, it's been that yeah. kind of a thing. But, um, but, but, you know, I was, I was, Reading, um, I, I know that uh, I know that you speak about uh, opportunities that are now available to women uh, mm -hmm. in the post-pandemic era, and how th there's been so much change that's happened in the industry, specifically because of the pandemic. Uh, things moving to virtual space, and uh, certain businesses kind of getting opportunities that that maybe there wasn't a, a demand for that before. Um, and while at the same time, there's other businesses that don't really function now in this in this environment but um but you've you've taken an approach not an approach of oh this is terrible how do we how do we deal with this instead you've taken an approach of there are all of these opportunities now for entrepreneurs in this 
you know, we're now in the third year of, of a pandemic and there are opportunities, there are ways that we can succeed in this environment. And I know that you've uh, you've talked about specifically opportunities for women in that space. Mm-hmm. But uh, but but I, I wanted to ask you specifically, um, what are some of those opportunities that you see? What are some of the things that have become an opportunity as a direct result of the pandemic that perhaps instead of people being down on where we are, there's a positive here and there's an opportunity for them to work toward. <sighs> Sorry, a, that's a that's really a, long whoa. question. It's <laughs> a great question. I was um, reading your stuff and I was like, this is cool. I got to ask her about this. And then I put it all into one question. Sorry. Yeah, that was really good. That was really good. I, I will do my best to try to respond to that. Um, I'm of the opinion that we... Um, are in the midst of fundamental and profound economic disruption. It's been going on. We're in the second decade and the third wave, third decade, second wave, sorry, yeah. of technology automation. And it's been happening all this time, right? But the pandemic accelerated it. Mm-hmm. it. It accelerated it in a way that the next decade is going to be fundamentally profound in terms of churning of businesses, the emergence of new business models, and of course, all of the new innovations that are occurring as part of the second wave. Virtual reality, right. um, oh gosh, autonomous vehicles, yeah. internet of things, all of those things are going to blow up. I've, I've said many times that we spent the first 20 years of this economy ramping up. Yeah. We're going to spend the next decade rolling out yeah. And so for everyone, not just women, um, the opportunities are amazing. It's very frightening. All of us are disrupted. And it's coming at a time when our lives are being disrupted in so many other ways that what you're feeling is what 99% of us are feeling. It's just overwhelming. Yeah. So we need champions. We need people like you, like you, like you, who are able to look out and say, how do we navigate this? Mm-hmm. And here, let me show you. Come with me. And we'll, we'll navigate this together. And I think I want to be a champion for women yeah. because women have a terrific opportunity to contribute, especially during this time of disruption. We are, um, we're really good at operating in chaos. Look at us. We have kids. We have families. We have jobs. We, we navigate all these things already. I don't know how to operate not in chaos. So, right? Yeah. Right? And, and so we have a lot of expertise to bring to the table. And the, the big opportunities that are coming right now for most young, smaller companies in particular are in non-coding technology innovation. So we have, I'm sure you know this, there's 32 million businesses in the country. Of them, um, approximately 80% are companies with less than 100 employees. So we have this demographic of all these young, early, but not necessarily young, but small companies, right? McKinsey and Company says that in order to compete going forward, we must adopt technology innovation. Yeah. And that's things like just doing e-commerce or having yeah. mobile apps or having yeah. automated um, types of efficiencies in our processes and our productions. And most of us don't know how to do that. Mm-hmm. And we don't really have the tools in front of us to do that. And that's one of the reasons that I think Nuboco yeah. is a leader in the world in terms of addressing those things, doing the coding schools, going all the way down to, to um, you know, young K through 12, kids. right? Yeah, yeah. Um, all of those things are really critically important. And, and so it, it's a long, difficult process that's tied to um, having access to those kinds of innovations. And so for women, 
I believe that if we can encourage women to get in front of technology and to think about their, if they're an existing business, doing their existing business differently and using technology, if we can help women and get the doors open for them where they can maybe start accelerator programs, maybe do mm -hmm. some incubation programs, maybe do more startup weekends that are just for women, I yeah. don't know. But I, there's so many ways that if we can just engage people and, and embrace the technology innovation that's out there, either mm -hmm. to pivot or to start new companies, I think we're positioning um, a whole sector of the entrepreneurial community that in yeah. the past has not had access. Well, part of doing that, I think, it, embra it, it involves embracing a mentality that's proactive rather than reactive, Yes. which yeah. right now it's really, really easy to just naturally fall into being reactive because things are changing so quickly that you almost feel like it's all you can do just to survive. Like you said, yeah. operating in chaos. It's like, if I made it through today without like, you know, without everything falling apart, that's a huge victory. And yeah. in that environment, it's hard to to be proactive and to say, gosh, how can I plan ahead? How can I do something new and different rather than how do I just get through today? Yeah. Um, I'm curious, how, how do you, what advice do you have along those lines? How do people keep themselves thinking, you know, positively and forward and coming up with new ideas rather than simply going into survival mode, which is really, really easy to do right now. And where we've been yeah. for the past two years, yeah. right? That's what we've been being told. That's the headline everywhere you go, you know, and and even when we ask people how you doing, how are you doing? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, like, like there's, <clears throat> I, like you're at a funeral, you know, and it's, it, we're just living life. And when we're treating life like a funeral all the time, and I'm not ignoring the very real impact of all of that. So please, nobody misunderstand me. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, when you're just running into someone on the street, how are you? You know, like that, it, that puts us in reactive mode. Like, so yeah, I think it's a great question. We're all there. Yeah. We're all there. In fact, there's a word for it now. Um, there's it? a name for it. They call it cascading chaos. Oh yeah. That yeah. we all are experiencing yeah. it, and there, yeah. and it's it's a it's like we didn't just have, yeah. um, you know, some technology automation. We didn't just have the pandemic. Yeah. We didn't just have the political strife. Now we have a, yeah. a pending world war. I mean, yeah. all of these things keep yeah. happening, and each time we're being rolled, and yeah. each time we're being set back, and it's yeah. really difficult to rise above that. And I I go back to, we need champions. Um, those of us that can need to speak out positively yeah. and to yeah. bring people together and to think about how do we, how can we navigate this? Start looking yeah. forward rather than holding or allowing those yeah. things to sit on our shoulders that have held us back. Does that make sense at all? It, yeah, oh, yeah, it, it does. Um, who's, who are some of the thought leaders on that idea of cascading chaos? Do you, do any come to mind? And if none come to mind, please don't feel like you're on the spot. I'm just, that's a new term for me, but I'd be fascinated to look mm -hmm. at it because I'm I'm passionate about just women and business and entrepreneurship and, and equality and banning the phrase work-life balance. But I'm also <laughs> yeah, like yeah. complexity is like my thing. When I started to learn about complexity theory and chaos theory, I was like, oh, my life, this is, yes, this yeah. is how I work. This is oh how I gosh. live. And so I'm curious if I haven't seen that yet. And so I am, um, if you come across, if you don't come to mind right now, if you come across them, I would love to hear about them. And I'll, I'll absolutely share it in the blog that we produce with this. So. I will. It, you know, it's really early. Yeah, um, yeah. And a lot of what I'm doing is I'm doing right now, I'm doing a lot of training. Yeah. And so I'm going into rooms full of people that are community leaders, they're economic yeah. developers, they're mayors, they're city council members, they're chamber yeah. of commerce execs. Um, and just like the rest of us, they're yeah. overwhelmed. And yeah. there's a negative air mm -hmm. um, when we start those conversations. And so 
I've been struggling with trying to find terms. Yeah. So if we can if we can put a name on it, we can fix yeah. it. If we yeah. if we um, are laying out good solutions, yeah, none of them are existing. There's no best practices about right. how to recover from 2021 and 2020. Yeah. Right? Well, there was there was a concept you were talking about in one of your one of your blogs, I think, where you talked about pause and restart. Oh, and I think yeah. that at the time you wrote that, you said we're in a pause right now. Uh, but we're going to be getting to a restart phase. Can you talk more about that concept? I, I, I will try. You know, I wrote that way back in 2020, the very beginning, um, mm. when we first, you know, fe- I don't know if I've told you this story, but um, most of the people that I work with and the business owners that I see um, went through that moment in early March oh, yeah. of 2020 where their business just went non-existent and then a month later everybody was closed. And so there was this general sense of, um, you know, the world is over. Yeah. My business is over. Everything I've dreamed and put into this is on on pause. And I, I use the word pause in that blog because it's not it's temporary. Yeah. It's temporary. And the reset is the key. It's not we're going to start up again and go back to normal. Mm-hmm. It's a reset. We have a new normal. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the most important message is that we're, we we were paused. Yeah. Now um, we have an opportunity to rethink, redo, revitalize, but it's not the same. Yeah. And so for many of the, the women entrepreneurs in particular, I met yeah. a fair number of them, for many of them, it's all about how do we pivot? How do yeah. we rethink? Let's, this is an opportunity for us mm-hmm. to get a bottle of wine, go sit in the corner, go out mm-hmm. on the deck, look at the cat, look at the birds, do whatever you do, <laughs> and think about if I could do this business over, because yeah. that's where I'm at, mm-hmm. what would it look like? What would it feel like? And yeah. is this where I need to be? And a lot of the work, I don't know if you read the other blog post I wrote at that time about when to know when to exit. Yeah. It's, the same, it's the same thing. It's just, it's mm-hmm. doing that introspective look at this is my life. I have one life. I yeah. can contribute so much in this life. Is this where I want to be? I have this space right now to think about yeah. it. How do I do it differently? And I think that's what drove the whole um great resignation you know same thing i i have to share this and i don't want this podcast to be about me but i have to share this story because i did exactly what you're talking about without those words so i've owned a coaching consulting and and training business for you know almost 12 years now and um i was working on my doctorate i was just starting my research when the pandemic hit which ended up actually ultimately completely changing the topic not completely that's not that's melodramatic shifting the topic of my research um and you know in the process of all of that i also then took the i had just taken a position with nuboco because i also knew i was like i need just I need a paycheck coming in so I can focus on this. I can't hustle business and do this research. And it was just a lot. And so I, I recognized a limitation. But what happened then when the pandemic hit is I was just like, you know what? I am I am actually putting it all on pause. Like I am wow. I'm not doing anything with this business. I immediately got seven new clients because that's what, <laughs> that's, happens, that's what happens when you do this. But <laughs> um so I worked through that and then but then as I've come out of that, I, I just left it on pause for the last 18 months or so. And I just in the last three, four months, and in part because, you know, working with LAS, I'm doing a, a whole podcast thing on this other side, it really inspired me to reinvent. 
Because what I learned about myself over the last couple of years as part of this pandemic and a whole lot of other life changes that happened as a result was as a business owner, I want to do what I was doing differently. I, I have more, I have different knowledge now. I have different experience. And that pandemic really did give me a really good place to pause. Yeah. And now not end or shudder or, you know, any of those other words, but to reset. I'm renaming. I'm rebranding. I'm, you know, all of these things. And and it's still, it's for me, I ha- still have my primary job at NewBoCo. I'm not going anywhere. But I have this thing that has always been something that is part of who I am. And I am going to do that, but I'm doing it completely different. And I bet if we went out on the street <laughs> right now in Czech Village where we are and asked any of these business owners, they would have some version <laughs> of that that would also back that story up. It's just, it's amazing to me when you hear your experience explained by somebody and you're like, yes, that's, yes, that's what I just did. And when you feel as though your experience was not something that happened only to you. Right. This is happening to millions of yes. us and not just those of us in entrepreneurship. Right. Oh, God, People that yeah. work regular jobs are yeah. saying, um, ha- hold the phone. Yeah. You know, yeah. I could, I could continue working in this Amazon yeah you know clearing house yeah. or i could go van camping in idaho hmm. yeah. yeah yeah you know i, I so i yeah. think i think it's a it's a generational thing yeah it's a pandemic induced thing yeah but it is critically important to our long-term health wealth yeah. and happiness yeah I really do. I, yeah i'm with you are we having fun yet? We are. We're having tons of, and that's the problem. We're having lots of fun, yeah. and I think we've hit time. So it's like well, just I as we're getting going. I want to ask one more question, though, if I may. Entrefest. Oh, yeah. So we, so Nuboco is just super proud of this event. We love putting it on. It is a all hands on deck, bring in people from all over the place. We have been so focused over the last couple of years on bringing in diverse voices, diverse perspectives. All over the country, people are coming in. This year, we're going back to Iowa City. Um, it's June 9th and 10th, Rob. Am I remembering that? I believe that? that's right. Yeah. Right. So it's, I think we kick off on the 8th and then 9th and 10th in Iowa City on the Ped Mall. Entrefest.com if you want to go buy tickets. But the... <laughs> but I bring it up not as a just an ad, but you were part of originating that. Yes, I was. Yeah. And yeah. that's like... That's huge to me. That's just, it's so exciting to be able to talk to somebody who was there in the beginning. What was that <laughs> like? And and I, this is not an age thing or anything else. I think just when As you- And she looks at my gray hair. No, well, look at mine. <laughs> um, so, no, I, I think it's more along the lines of like you, it, it's like you made this baby and now you've watched that yeah. baby grow up. I mean, it's been- And now it's a toddler. It's- <laughs> Yeah, teenager. <laughs> well, no, it's now it's 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 gone to school in Iowa City, which yeah. is a rite of passage right for parents everywhere. Absolutely, Ooh, nice, That's beautiful, nice. Let me tell you about Entrefest because it is, you know, when I was at the University of Northern Iowa, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but my department head Randy Pilkington yeah. said to me in a confidential meeting. Now I'm telling it on on air. Yeah. He said, "Do whatever you can to move the needle on entrepreneurship in the state." Yeah. He said two things. He said, raise your own money. I'm not, we can't use any, you know, yeah. direct line appropriations. You have to raise your own um, and don't embarrass me. 
So I did really good on the raising your own money part, you know, like over the course of the yeah. 17 years I was there, I raised somewhere between a million and a million and a half a year to yeah. do and launch new initiatives. I embarrassed him all the time. I should have been <laughs> fired every, every other Monday. I should have been fired. But, but we did some really good work. And, and what happened was we built these teams of people. They were always young. They were always innovative. They were always finger on the pulse of what was happening in the state, rural and urban. And we said, find ways to build cool solutions that nobody's done before. So we did my Entranet. Yeah. We did um, Dream Big Grow Here. Do you remember yeah, that yeah, on, yeah. the cast yeah. contest? Yeah. We did um, Iowa Business Concierge. Yeah. And one of the things that, that we didn't ever have in the state of Iowa was a full-blown entrepreneur conference, mm -hmm. a, a gathering of sorts of the community yeah. statewide. And John Papa John had the Venture Capital Conference, right? But it was kind of, you know, it was kind of. Yeah. You can't see yeah. my, you can't see what I'm doing, but it was, it was yeah. only for certain people. It was, yeah, essence, more exclusive. It was, inclusive. it was very exclusive, yeah. and um, I was working day in and day out with people in rural communities and people in, yeah. you know, smaller companies, early stage startups, and our technology incubator, and it wasn't a good fit for them. And so we went back to the Entrepreneur Roundtable, that was yeah. a group of about 50 providers, and said we're going to start a conference. Yeah. Uh, you and I funded it. The state legislature yeah. funded us, and then we funded um, Entrefest. Nice. And the first year we had like 250 people show up, and yeah. it was so much work, but it yeah. was so exciting. And yeah. we cried, and we laughed, and oh, yeah. the connections were fabulous. Um, and we did that for a couple of years, and we realized pretty quickly. We, we, it was a traveling conference, first of all. Okay, I don't know yeah. if you know that. We did it all over the state, yeah. different different towns. Yeah. So sometimes it was like not hard. No one came. Yeah. <laughs> Other years we had 500 people and we were yeah. like, this is so super good. Yeah. But at some point we realized that we can't run a community conference as an educational institution. Sure. Yeah. And so we hooked up with Andy Stoll mm -hmm. and Amanda West, yeah. Um, yeah. At, and we said at Seed Here in Cedar Rapids and said, here, take yeah. the budget, go do really neat things. And I think it's at that point yeah. that the social enterprise thinking yeah. brought this thing to the seed stages of what it yeah. is now. Yeah. Um, and it's grown from there. So, I yeah. mean, yeah, we did it at the, at the yeah. front end because it was needed yeah. and it was a gap. Yeah. But the real magic occurred yeah. when the entrepreneurs yeah. took it and ran with it and said, let's have a, let's have thumb games. What was that? What was that about? I never did quite. Thumb wrestling? Yeah, thumb wrestling. There was a massive thumb wrestling contest in the, I, you know, and I said, this is, this is, there's an octo yeah. blow up octopus on the yeah. parkade in yeah. downtown. Those were all the kinds of things that entrepreneurs yeah. bring to the mix. That is yeah. ecosystems. That yeah. is what. Anyway, yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for that. Because I think, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think people who attend Entrefest today don't know the roots of it. It, you know, it's yeah. it's not the story. We don't tell that story all the time. And so I, I feel like. I, I don't know. It's maybe my mom's history buffness rubbing off on me, but I like origin stories. Like, I like to know where things were born from. It's Probably the, why I'm such as, like, Marvel. I was going to say, it's more the comic like, book whole, version yeah. of me that loves origin stories. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, but I do. I, I That's always interesting to me to hear about. And, you know, I did know about Andy and Amanda's, um, you know, kind of taking that on. But, yes. you know, how that got to Andy and Amanda, I don't know that I'd ever heard the full version of And that, I don't think so. that's a, as important as yeah. knowing that once it it hit yeah. the entrepreneurial community. Yeah. And once the entrepreneurs were in charge and yeah. actually had some some yeah. cash yeah. and the opportunity to build out something yeah. that made sense for the community at large, yeah. that's when that's yeah. when Entrefest became the thing that we know and love today. Yeah. Which a lot of times feeds into that idea 
of sometimes a, a business that you create or a venture that you create turns into something you didn't originally anticipate that it would be. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and honestly, I think that's a, that is a skill, is recognizing when that happens. Yeah. And rather than fighting it and being like, no, I created it to be this, and this yeah. is what it will be. Yeah. Recognizing, no, 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 I, I, I didn't anticipate this, but we're going with it because, yeah. wow, there's an exciting opportunity yeah. right there. That yeah. happened with a lot of our programs. Yeah. But I, I liken it to a startup. Mm-hmm. How many mm-hmm. times do we pivot? Oh God! During yeah. the startup yeah. phase, and yeah. we pivoted with my internet. We pivoted with Dream Big yeah. Grow Here. We pivoted yeah. with um, yeah. Ontrefest. And to me, that's part of the the evolution of an yeah. ecosystem. Different yeah. different champions yeah. come in. Different life emerges. Yeah. Yeah. Different outcomes. It's well, the silly can... putty theory. What the? What is that? So now I was going to be way nerdier than Wait, you, I but please hear, go oh, for it. Well, well silly because silly putty wasn't created to be silly putty. No, I, I forget oh, what right, it was yeah, made to be originally. Yeah. It was like a it, it was a failure. But yeah. somebody hey, looked Alex, at this. GTS. <laughs> yes. Do you remember what that means? Google it. Google that shit. <laughs> <laughs> But no, That's seriously, some, somebody looked at this like this mess and they were like, you know, I could make this into a children's toy. Yeah. Like like kids would like to play with this yeah. and make things out of it. And Silly Putty is still with us today. It's yeah. like this this crazy thing that, that somebody <laughs> somebody looked at something and saw an opportunity there after everybody else was like, well, that didn't work the way we thought it was gonna. And they were like, yeah, but what if it did this instead? And now we have Silly Putty. So, uh. so then let's say that that becomes the baseline for a challenge for all of your listeners. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we have so many needs right now. We have yeah. so many areas where we're deflated, where we're frightened, yeah. where you know we aren't quite sure what the future holds. We need, yeah. we need people yeah. to step forth and say, I'm gonna start an accelerator for women in the state of Iowa. Yes. We need people that will step forth and say, I'm going to build out um, a new community and a, a new form of business support, a new ecosystem model for rural. We need people that are are willing and able to champion these crazy badass ideas that can change lives um, all across our state. We're poised. We're ready. We're all open to it because we've had so much chaos. It's like, oh yeah, okay, fine. We'll start something else that's new and crazy, but it's time. It's time. And we all need to find where we can contribute and where we can can make some of these changes happen. I really believe that. So it's funny because one of the segments that we usually bring in in this is all right so what are we taking away from it and i feel like the challenge you just issued is the the takeaway Mm -hmm. i don't think we need to touch that i think you just did it perfectly so alex did you find out what silly putty was intended for originally so it was invented by uh james wright who makes boric acid and silicone oil together oh my god that was in 1943 introduced to the public in 1950 by peter hodgson not these names matter but Crayola finally acquired it for kids in 1976. Okay, there it is. So it's years later. Yeah. yeah. It started out as acid. Okay. And... Okay. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You can't take that long. Yeah. So the challenge we don't have is 30 not. Years, you don't people. have 30 years. I'd like to see some cool yeah. ideas emerge. Yeah. So if we want to join the revolution of starting an accelerator for women in the state of Iowa, absolutely. Uh, go to our webpage, iowainnovation.org. Submit a comment on the form. Let's get a working group going. I'm in, and I'll bring Mo along because she's she's my hero. And I'll br- <laughs> I'll bring the silly putty. And Rob will bring the silly. And putty. then we'll have a thumb wrestling. Contest. <laughs> we'll have a thumb wrestling. <laughs> oh, you guys, uh, this has been fun. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming. I love how responsive you were when I invited you, and I always love talking with you. So You're we will safe. definitely have to have you back. Wonderful. Yeah. Thanks, Rob. Yeah. Right. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. 
Thank you so much to our guest, Mo Collins, for coming onto the show. And remember, you can find information about Mo at MoCollins.com. That's where Mo's social media email address is. And you can just drop her a note and tell her, hey, that show was awesome and you are awesome. <laughs> and if you did love the show, please subscribe and leave us a review telling us how awesome it really was. <laughs> and you know what? You can also visit our blog. It's at Nubo.co slash blog. Uh, to find key takeaways from today's conversation, we've got them summarized and detailed. This podcast is produced and distributed by the LAS Media Group. For more information, go to lasmediagroup.com and be prepared to be surprised and delighted. And you know what? We'd also love it if you'd think about making a donation to NubuCo because that's what makes it possible for us to keep doing what we do. Your contributions to our nonprofit are helping us keep serving innovators, educators, and entrepreneurs all across the state of Iowa. And if you want to learn more about how you can donate, visit nubo.co slash donate. Yeah, and I don't know about you, Rob, but I'm ready to race you to the store for the Silly Putty. Oh, yeah. Uh, and if we don't have time to race, we can do a thumb war. How do you not have time to race? Well, uh, sometimes you're moving so quickly that you're like, I don't have time to wait for you so that you can race me. Yes. So thumb wars, silly putty, and more. Excellent. Excellent. I will see you there. See you.